0: Welcome to Whitewater. We're so glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope that you are having a comfortable uh, day, morning, evening, whatever time you're watching uh, this with your home church. For a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about resilient relationships and how essential this is during times of transition, times of change, uh, times where we just don't know what's going to happen next. And we are living in that time right now. It's not new. Uh, people for ages and ages have dealt with times where they, they there's unexpected, unprecedented moments. And that's where we're in. We're in this moment, almost this adventure of a lifetime. Not very many people have experienced something like this on a global, uh, w- with, with everyone around the globe. Uh, so with resilience, why is this important? Let's first look at A definition of resilience. Resilience is the ability to bounce back and recover from loss, failure, stress, or disappointment. Let's hear that again. The ability to bounce back and recover from loss, failure, stress, or disappointment. Have you been feeling any of those? Loss, failure, disappointment? I know I have. All of those. And, and it comes in waves and I'll feel this grief come in waves and I don't always know what to do with it. But this is, being resilient is a skill that's essential. Uh, and we aren't alone in growing this skill. We can do this in community and we can do this with God. Uh, Paul and the early church had to be resilient with their relationships. They went through a lot of crazy times together, uh, a lot of unknowns. And Paul has this really great statement about uh, what it means to be resilient. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, uh, he writes, We're often pressured from every side, but we're never crushed. Sometimes we don't know what to do, but we never despair. And sometimes we're attacked and abused, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Resilience is this idea that we are going to go through painful moments. We are going to have trials and tribulations. We're going to have times where we don't know what the right answer is. But what's really great is that we have a God who loves us and who wants to journey alongside us. He wants us to come to him in those moments, pray, read scripture, be in community, ask those questions, wrestle with what is happening and what's going on while we're down, while we're feeling disappointed and stressed and pressured so that we can then get up again with his strength, with his love, with his support, and with the support around us. So what kinds of relationships do we need to be resilient with? Do we get to pick and choose? Uh, sometimes we get to pick and choose because we can't help everyone. We can't support every single person. However, we do need to notice the people around us. Who is in our sphere of influence? Our friends? Our family? Our neighbors? Our colleagues? Who's in your life? Uh, that sometimes life can be really easy to walk alongside, and who's in your life that sometimes you, you run into rough patches? For me, that's anyone I'm in relationship with. There's always going to be times where there's miscommunication, maybe there's a frustrating moment, maybe your values don't always align, and we have to be able to learn how to be resilient in those times, to talk through those times, to communicate. I think Jesus is a perfect example of resilient relationships, of living alongside people, for years and years and years, people who don't always agree with one another. So the, the 12 disciples that were in his sphere of influence, uh, they didn't all come from the same background. They didn't all come from the same theology and believe all the same things. And I'm sure there were very tense moments where they had to talk through it and communicate. Some got angry and stormed off. Other people probably sulked, uh, and they were over-off in the corner. Uh, And that's just normal with relationships. And Jesus was able to model what it meant to be resilient in those times. And so after Jesus died and then was resurrected, he started visiting the disciples. uh, And the disciples were still feeling just so much loss and grief and probably a sense of a loss of uh, purpose. What am I supposed to do now? Oh, Jesus is gone. He's not here anymore. What do I do? So after a little while, Peter and some of the disciples went out uh, to go fishing. This was something they were so comfortable with. This is what they grew up, many of them grew up with. Uh, And so they went out on the boat. And a while later, they saw someone on the beach. uh, And as they got closer, they recognized him, and it was Jesus. And what Jesus recognized is that these disciples were so tired, and they were exhausted, and they were grieving, and they just felt so lost. and. What did Jesus do? Did he lecture them? Did he tell them to go write an essay, uh, to go and uh, read more and memorize scripture more? No. Instead, he made them breakfast. He sat on the beach and he made a campfire and he welcomed them to the beach and he said, Sit down, rest, bring your fish, eat with me, and let's talk. And they spent time resting restoring, and renewing together. John twenty one twelve says, When they got there, to the beach, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were a 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't even torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. That was that next step for restoring um, their faith, restoring their purpose, and helping them renew. Jesus took that time to sit with them, and there was, they did have to have difficult conversations. Jesus forgave them. Some of them had run away, some of them had. Um, said, I don't even know who this person is. I don't know Jesus. And Jesus took that moment to just look at each of them and love them and show them grace and say, you do have purpose. And right now, we just need to sit together, laugh together, tell stories. I mean, just think of all the stories that they had together. From all those many years of learning and unlearning and relearning uh, and journeying together, they also spent time renewing. Uh, and, and it's so important to have fun together to join community. Uh, I I absolutely love breakfast. Brunch is one of my favorites, and a lot of my friends just love brunch. They they like to go out and uh, ha- have whatever they have eggs, eggs Benedict, or waffles, or omelets, or breakfast burritos, and come coming together, drinking their favorite drinks. Um, there's just so much joy in being able to eat together. Talk together uh, and not be stressing out about what's going on in the world. Instead, we're honing in on relationship, Uh, and it—it's so easy to think about self-care and renewal and restoration as this afterthought. Like, if I have time, then I'll care for myself. But first, I have to do all the things. When really, it's so important to pause, take a breath talk to the Lord, read some scripture, be fed, be filled up before we can go out and support the people that we love. That's such a major uh, element to resilience and a major element to resilient relationships. We need to be filled up. We need to be renewed to restore in order to love other people. So during their time on the beach, this was such a life-giving moment where Jesus was relaxed. Uh, He was probably full of joy seeing his disciples here again. They were probably just feeling so many emotions. Uh, And they were able to sit together, talk together, uh, and Jesus was able to say, you know, get back up. You've been knocked down, you've felt grief, You've, you've been pressured, but get back up. You have a purpose now go Jesus wants the same for us right we we're not in the same room with him we can't see him but he wants the same for us when we get knocked down when we're feeling disappointment let's pause and restore with him let's take some time to go to the side uh, to get our favorite breakfast to get our favorite drink uh, for me I love my green tea so I'm gonna sit there and spend some time talking to the Lord and I'm I'm not gonna just... Tell him that everything's fine, right? I'm not going to give him that answer of, how are things going? All oh, things are great. Because they're not. I'm going to be honest and share my emotions. Maybe I'll journal. Maybe I'll um, share with him just all the questions that I have of what's happening right now. Why am I feeling so exhausted? And through his words and through that time, you can feel encouraged. You can be encouraged and get back up and keep going. And part of that is restoring. And part of restoring is um, meeting with community, meeting with friends, and being vulnerable. It's going to that next level with our friends, trusting them that they are going to encourage us, that they're going to love us, uh, even in the mess, even in the struggle. Uh, and I, I find that to be really hard sometimes to want to share really what are my insecurities. Uh, I like to be seen as confident and strong, and I don't have these insecurities, but we all do, and they're in different areas. And so if we can share that, people can speak truth into our lives. People can point out our uniqueness and our gifts and our talents because God's given each of us something special to give to the whole world. When we're vulnerable, that also allows other people to be vulnerable. They see us model it and they, they think, okay, if that person can share their heart, then maybe they'll listen to me. Maybe I can also share about what my struggles are or what my joys are, my hopes, my dreams. Maybe they won't laugh at me. Right. And so it takes that, that risk of possibly being laughed at, but most likely not being laughed at, people are gonna take you seriously and wanna encourage you and see you be successful. So that's a big part of restoring, is listening, seeing other people, uh, letting other people see you. Another area that Jesus modeled for restoration is serving others. He invited them to the beach and he made them breakfast. So simple. How often do you get to do something with your friends that you can serve them? And it's very simple. It doesn't have to be big. It can be, hey, come on over to my porch. We'll be six feet apart. We can wear masks if you want, but let's come together and just, you know, enjoy one another's company. Bring your favorite drink and let's sit together and talk. Jesus also modeled renewing our relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves. Self-care can easily be pushed to the side, but think about your holistic self-care. How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing physically? Sometimes it's stepping back and going back to the basics. Recently, uh, I started just jotting down in a journal what I'm eating and how much I'm drinking, right? Am I hydrating? So, am I getting my green vegetables? Uh, how many hours of sleep am I getting? How much water am I getting? Like, this is uh, foundational to living a healthy life, is being able to uh, be sustained so that you can have the energy to be in community with other people. So, what are your physical needs right now? Spiritually, are you checking in with God? It can be an ongoing conversation throughout the day. It doesn't have to be this big, elaborate, uh, two-hour moment in like a closet of your house, right? It can be this ongoing conversation, uh, a moment of breakfast and tea with God, uh, checking in, letting Him know how you're doing, and then hearing from Him to be encouraged, to be filled back up so that you can go out. And then also emotionally. Our culture, it it's a struggle to actually talk about our emotions. We're used to these, you know, these just these few emotions that we talk about. Oh, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling happy, right? But what's the next level of emotion? And I encourage you to take two minutes to breathe. You can close your eyes or lower your gaze and check in with your heart. Check in with how you're feeling emotionally. And whatever you're feeling, there's no need to judge it. There's no need to push it off to the side. Instead, acknowledge how you're feeling and then move forward. So much of the time, acknowledgement is what we need. And right now, we need acknowledgement from ourselves, from others, from God, that how we're feeling and what we're experiencing, it's very real and we're not alone. My grandma and grandpa are such a great example of doing self-care. They would drink coffee in the morning, spend time with the Lord, praying together, um, talking about what their struggles are, and they would take naps in the afternoon. And they still were able to be relational and get everything done. It was incredible. It was like the more time that they spent being intentional with filling up and um, giving their their attention to self care and to listening to the Lord, the more time they had to be relational and to love on others. So they would spend time just the two of them or on their own, reading scripture, drinking their coffee, taking their naps, and then they'd also spend time with friends, telling stories, laughing, just just gaining the sense of renewal. The last part of restoration and renewal is to have fun be creative, Um, go outside, be in nature, be in this beautiful world that the Lord made, uh, and enjoy it with people that you love being around. Building resilient relationships takes practice. It's not something we can do overnight, uh, but I encourage you to take a moment to think about how can you restore and how can you renew on, on the daily on the weekly each month? How can you check in with the people that you love, the people in your spheres of influence, uh, to build that resilience even when you feel knocked down, even when you feel trampled and exhausted and you just don't know what's going to happen next? So I have a couple questions for you to talk about with your home church or to reflect on during the week, to journal about. Uh, What are the life-giving moments you've been spending with Jesus? What does that look like for you? It's gonna look different for everyone. And how do you renew and restore so you can recover from challenges and grow resilient relationships? Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It's been a joy. I hope that you have a great dialogue with your friends and family in your home church. Let's hear from Counselor Pat Tracy what he has to say about resilient relationships.
1: You know, what they used to teach folks like me is that uh, if you help folks to uh, communicate well in your office, then they will communicate well at home. Well, that ends up not being true because when we become emotionally upset or emotionally flooded, that part of our brain that listens gets shut off, just does. And, you know, we didn't realize that until we had the technology to actually look at how our brains work. And now we do. Now we have functional brain scans. And so we can see that when we become emotionally charged, we don't listen. And so when we are in arguments, we will feel like we are not being heard. And so we will raise our voice. But paradoxically, the more we raise our voice, the less we are heard. And so if... We don't help people to learn how to take a break and take a break in the middle of conflicts. Okay, I need to take a break or I need to take time out and then uh, teach them time out rules. And I've um, I've got those actually posted in my uh, one of my blog posts on my website uh, called Time Out. Uh, the research indicates that um, it takes at least 20 minutes for a human to calm down once they are upset. But we are not laboratory rats. So I suggest at least, you know, 40 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, you don't want to go too much longer than that because uh, then it becomes harder to get back to it. And the way you blow a timeout is, number one, you don't take it. So you make up the rules and then either one of you follows the rules. Uh, number two you take it and then you don't come back to it so it just comes you know leaves hanging in the air and then comes up in the next fight and then after a while you've got lots of things that come up uh, that are accumulated over time or you take the time out but you don't calm yourself down you spend your time saying no 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 wait, i don't want when she comes back, I'm going to tell her this, 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 and that. And then she'll believe me. And then, and then we go, you know, you work yourself more, you know, uh, upset. And so identifying specific ways in which you calm yourself down and up being very helpful. So, um, I do play the saxophone when I am upset because it calms me down and I will play my horn and, um, and my wife, uh, when she gets upset, she, you know, we've got all sorts of gardens and property. some of them vegetables, most of them flowers, and, and that's what she likes to do, you know, what I call digging in the dirt. And, you know, so if you're driving by our house and you hear the music and you see my wife in, uh, in the garden, you'll know we just had a fight, that we marry people who are different than us. Uh, and most of the time, that's a, that's a blessing. Uh, Not every conflict is a hill to die on and not every disagreement is. And the truth is that most of the conflicts in marriage revolve around our personality differences or our lifestyle differences. And so they are irresolvable, you know, And, and I think that's helpful information. You know, my wife and I could be in marriage counseling forever, week after week after week after week. But I will still be the kind of guy that likes the window open a little bit when I sleep, and she will still be the person that wants it closed. And we could talk about that forever, but that's not going to change. We extend grace to others to the degree that we recognize the truth about grace in our own lives. If we are having trouble infusing grace into our relationship, we always, always have to go back to what Christ has done for us. Our spiritual growth is directly tied to our recognition of His grace in our own lives. So that's always the clog in the pipeline, frankly, uh, with our selfishness, is not recognizing the truth of Christ's sacrificial love for us and clinging to that, and then responding in thankful obedience and having that reflected in our relationships.